Uh, I'm going to have dinner tomorrow with uh, Chuck Norris and his wife. Uh, they have a big fundraiser for Kickstarter Kids, which is their charity, and I'm going to be down in Houston uh, with him. Can't wait to see him. They they are fascinating people. They started Sea Force Water. Have you ever heard of Sea Force Water? They found under their ranch this gigantic um, old glacier. It's from the old from the Ice Age. It's like 12,000 years old or something like that. And it is off the charts uh, with purity and um, and alkaline. The uh, the alkalinity of it is just perfect. It's really good and good for you. And so they started making this water, just, you know, putting it into uh, into bottles, Seaforce. And they do, they donate a portion of all their proceeds to Kickstarter Kids or kickstartkids.org, uh, which is their charity. It's great water, really good water, and it goes to a good cause. Uh, it's Seaforce. It's available in a lot of retailers across the U.S. and Amazon. Uh, check Seaforce.com, Seaforce. Dot com for a location uh, near you. Seaforce.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, I've got some good news for you. First of all, thank you for making The Great Reset. Now in its 10th week, the number one selling book this last week in America. Of course, we're 15th, I think. Is it 14 or 15 this week of the New York Times? Number one uh, on uh, on uh, SoundScan or BookScan and, and number one, you know, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. But... 15 of the New York Times, but thank you, not only for buying it, reading it, and then thank you for getting involved. I have an update on the number of states that are now involved in anti-ESG legislation. Maybe your state is being left behind, but uh, there's some really good news on that. And a big part of the Great Reset and modern monetary theory will be digital currency. I want to talk to you about what's happening in Congress to stop it in 60 seconds. When you're living with a lot of pain in your life, it can be really easy just to give up hope of ever feeling normal again. Uh, If that's how you feel, I get it. And I understand. I understand how you feel like when you've gone to the doctor and you've done everything, you've tried everything and none of it works. I know that hope kind of starts to dissipate and disappear. That's where I was when I finally, my wife made me try Relief Factor. Because I was like, it's not going to work. Nothing works. Just, I'm, this is the way it's going to be. Then I tried the three-week quick start because she forced me to. It was 1995. I tried it for three weeks. I actually said to her, I don't think this stuff is working. 
uh, then I stopped taking it. And oh, oh no, it, it was working. And the longer I took it, the better I got. It's relief factor. Try it now. Dollar a day, just like the trial pack. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered it. And about 70% go on to order more because it works for them. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800, the number four, relief. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. We have, uh, we have Congressman Patrick McHenry uh, on with us. He is from North Carolina, uh, and he's going to give us the update on the Federal Reserve and digital currency and what is, what's really happening. Congressman, how are you, sir? Great to be with you, Glenn. Thanks for the time. You bet. Uh, so, you know, this is really a, a weird topic in America because people either deny that this could happen or they uh, they they say things like, we already have a digital currency. I never use cash. A, can you verify that this is the direction of the Treasury and the Fed? Uh, and B, explain the difference between a, a Fed coin, if you will, and, you know, us just having a debit card. Well, Glenn, you're the best educator on uh, a broad array of of subjects here. But so let's start with the basics of what is a digital currency or digital asset. Um, so let's think of the internet first. Uh, the first uh, iteration of the web was in essence a reading mechanism. So you see, you, you know, you, you pull up the uh, uh, information on Glenn Beck, it says the program's at this time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Uh, that's web one. Web two is read and write. So let's think of this as, let's say, Facebook or Twitter. So you have a corporation that creates the venue, and then we are able to communicate through that venue, and the benefit accrues to that corporation because they've, they, they own the code, and they own the operations, and they monetize our actions on Web 2. There are a number of problems with this, and we've addressed that in terms of speech bias and everything else that needs to be addressed. Web 3 is around digital assets, and that means that our interactions, uh, we can actually have a stake in our interactions, uh, and the bytes and bits that we're exchanging via the web, we can actually have money, if you will, connected with that movement of uh, of of uh, of code, and so um, Web three can cure a number of the ills of Web two, and it's born out of Bitcoin and uh, a distributed ledger uh, technology that we call a blockchain. And the way to open the door within a blockchain technology is a cryptocurrency. So you could call it Bitcoin is probably the best example for us. That key opens the door. Just like when you go home, you own your house, but the key is the representation that you actually own your house. Uh, you can grant other people keys, but that doesn't tell them that they own it. Uh, digital keys have a special set of, 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 of capacity. That is born out of technology and a distributed open ledger. Anyone can participate in Bitcoin. You can get in, you can get out, it's on the ledger, and it's public information that you've purchased or sold uh, a quantity of Bitcoin, and that is in the ledger. Those exchanges are open. Now, what we're talking about with the Federal Reserve 
and with digital U.S. dollars is a very different concept. Most of our money that we exchange is digital right now, um, and banks to banks do that. They don't actually move physical currency like they did 50 years ago, um, and that means that they can, through the relationship with the Federal Reserve, uh, on a ledger, if you will, a spreadsheet, if you will, uh, exchange value between institutions and therefore our accounts within those institutions. What the Federal Reserve is contemplating is something that looks much more like that open ledger of some sort, and our money, our U.S. dollar, would be a representation on that open ledger. Well, that's fine, well, and good, Uh, except there are a number of civil liberties concerns when you have the government in the midst of your technology exchange. And those civil liberties concerns we have to address if we're going to have uh, a a blockchain-enabled U.S. dollar um, or U.S. dollar uh, or Federal uh, Reserve-backed digital asset. So they are not, from everything I've read, they are not really interested in the blockchain part of it. They, I mean, look, I'm talking to Congressman Patrick McHenry. On good authority, as several congressmen have said, if the Republicans take the House, he'll be the next chairman of financial services. So you know this stuff inside and out. You know, they're talking about a programmable um currency which would fit right into modern monetary theory which is what we're doing now print 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 as long as you can control labor uh production and spending down to the smallest level yes and so when you have this technology that's freely available and it's open um an open technology that is very different than a closed-off system that the government runs. So, yes, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury are contemplating, and they've already put out white papers, uh, about how they would design a central bank digital currency. Uh, What the left likes about this is that you could have an account with the Federal Reserve. Uh, That means instead of your bank account and the traditional system of lending in this country, which is is, – almost entirely a private sector endeavor, uh, this would give the government much more control. Uh, The hope for the left is that they can effectuate their uh, uh, left-wing beliefs through uh, the financial system, and most explicitly, if the government is in direct power of lending. This is precisely what the Chinese are contemplating with their digital yuan. They want to know uh, that... uh, you and I, um, I purchase lunch, and uh, you know, Glenn sends me fifteen dollars uh, to pay for his share of you know whatever we had. Um, well, the government wants uh, would be able to track that, and what the Chinese want, if you have a digital currency, you'd be able to. Tr- the government would be able to uh, tra- uh, track that, and what the Chinese want is precisely that information. Uh, precisely your movement information of data uh, of data and the value exchange between people. What our concern is here in the United States is that we, in our constitutional order, the government is not entitled to that type of information. And in our constitution, the power of currency is not explicitly reserved to governments. Um, but it is. Exp- uh, but when the government engages in that type of creation in our monetary system, our constitution contemplates that Congress has to authorize that. This so 
And the Federal Reserve has admitted this and said, uh, no, Congress would have to legislate if we're going to have a central bank digital currency or a Federal Reserve-backed digital currency. And so I, I think it's important that Congress be involved in this and be the driving force if we're even going to contemplate uh, something like what the Chinese are contemplating. Why wouldn't we just let the private market work this out? Bitcoin, um, the one of the reasons it has such fluctuation is because the government keeps spooking everybody. Um, why wouldn't we just say, all right, there's coins out there available and they're not being tracked and uh, and it's a it's an easy way for people to do this. Why don't we get out of that business? Well, uh, because it's the federal government, and <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, you look at it and you're like, why did the bear bite someone? Right, well, it's a bear. It's a bear. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they want control, and when they see movement in the private sector, they want to f- first have the data of what what the exchange was. And then once they have the data, this is kind of axiomatic that, you know, Reagan exemplifies its best. And so, so then they want to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, they, then, then they want to regulate it so, so much so that they have to subsidize it, right? And then they want it to be a federal property. So you look at what they've done with student loans, what the left has done with student loans. And they've foisted a generation with greater debt because of a government program. So here they want to be able to control this vital lever of governmental power, which is the power over currency and the value of currency. You've explained this very well about inflation and how nefarious inflation is. The, uh, the government wants greater control of the money supply, and that is a, it's a motivation of government since the beginning of time. And if you can determine the value of a thing, it is this enormous power over all yep. these other issues in society. Uh, the, the odds of, of Congress approving this in a non-emergency. Low. The odds of Congress approving this in an emergency. Well, uh, frighteningly high. Yeah. So you think of the emergency they had around the traffic jam in their capital in Canada. Yep. Because people parked their vehicles and inconvenienced a city. And therefore, the government of Canada took and seized people's bank accounts because they were inconveniencing people in, tr- uh, in creating a massive traffic event in a city. So what we have to do is ward against the federal government here in the United States doing something as insane as what the Canadians do. And I'm going to work very hard to make sure that our regulators don't have any of those powers uh, to seize people's bank accounts or to stop the flow of money around people's political decisions and and political debate. This sounds like a guy who uh, has got to be fighting against ESG. For sure. And what we have to do is have a counterpoint to liberal money and the progressive agenda that is driving the pension funds, that's driving the, the investment yeah. in companies, driving the valuation of companies. And if we don't have a conservative counterpoint to the insanity of ESG, 
uh, we are going to be in a worse off, a, a dramatically worse position, and we're going to allow the rest of the, country, the globe catch up to us economically because of our stupidity. What we should not do is incorporate the German uh, energy policy to the United States, which is expressly what the Biden administration is doing. Have we ever met, Patrick? Because I, I, you're like a brother from another mother here. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, I've been listening to you for years, oh, wow. and so uh, inspiration for sure. And I'm grateful for it, um, and grateful for the education you provide. Wow, thank you very much. Well, anything I can do, we, you are on the right track, and I don't think there is anything more important. Uh, in this next election than uh, dismantling this, uh, I, I don't even know what you would call it, uh, racketeering uh, or, uh, you know, mob tactics to our financial services through ESG. It is the end of us just as much as modern monetary theory will be the end of us. And strangely, I they're agree. connected. They are. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Anything we can do to help you, let us know. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Great you to be with you. You bet. That's a uh, Congressman Patrick Mc, uh, McHenry, who if they uh, if the Republicans take the House, he would be the chairman of financial services. And after talking to him, I like that a lot. All right. Tuttle twins. Um, we were just talking about education on things and too many people i mean it, the fed gets away with these things and the government gets away with these things because people don't understand basic items basic principles and honestly that's by design our education system uh it, by design it, i mean it's run by the government <laughs> anyway uh i've got a lot to say about that anyway um right now tuttle twins uh i have I have urged the publishers to please give the Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island away for free because I think this is every parent, grandparent needs to read this and every family needs to understand what's happening right now. The Creature from Jekyll Island, that's actually a, a, a very well-known um, uh, expose of the Fed and how it was started. It was actually started at a place called Jekyll Island. So appropriate. In secret. Uh, and it, this book explains the Fed, how it was created, uh, what causes inflation, what does the value of your dollar even mean? If we're going into unprecedented times, I want you to read this book, Tuttle Twins, the Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. You will get it for free. You just pay for shipping. Get it for free. It's one in the series, but you'll get this one for free. Nothing else. Just pay for shipping. Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. So later on in the uh, program, uh, uh, we need to talk about what has happened with our intelligence community that came out yesterday. Do we happen to have the audio of the um, AP reporter at the Pentagon? Uh, it's too long here. Okay, we'll play it in a little while. Um, he is play a little bit of it just just so we can hear a bit. Uh, thanks. Uh, okay, well that's a, quite a mouthful there. Um, so you said actions such as these suggest otherwise suggest. Meaning that 
they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a what action are you talking about one the actions i've just pointed to uh the what fact action what? The, the fact that russia continues to engage uh in disinformation well, uh you, know, you made an allegation that they might do that have they actually done it uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said, that they have engaged okay. in this activity. This is an uh, amazing thing. I've got to play the whole thing later. This is amazing. The AP reporter knew you're lying to us. You're lying to us. I know how this works. If you were really telling us the truth, you would give us X, Y and Z and you'd show it to us. But you don't have anything. Well, we find out now that that one journalist actually doing the job of a journalist was right the intelligence community has been releasing bogus information and planting it in our own press uh that's a real problem and i think that's against the law isn't it using propaganda now they're saying they're using it for russia but this whole thing about chemical weapons, that they might use chemical weapons, we had no intel on that or no verifiable intel. What they did with the Steele report is what they're now doing to us and to Russia. The same people that were involved in the Steele report and just taking gross information that has not been vetted at all. You know, they might they might use chemical weapons. Write that down. Put that in the report. They're reporting it because they want to stop Russia, just like they reported bogus information because they wanted to stop Donald Trump. There is no difference. And it's the same people. And when Russia starts making false claims about chemical weapons, how do we maintain the high ground when we have already talked about how we didn't have that information Correct. and we accused them of it anyway. This is so damning because nobody believes anything anymore anyway. Yeah. How do our allies believe us if we know now that we're engaged in disinformation? And how does the press have the balls to say that my opinion on what's happening is misinformation when they're funneling most likely knowingly misinformation from the Pentagon. This is an unworkable system here, gang. They just keep throwing tire irons into the spokes. It, it cannot continue to roll very long. We've got to fix the underlying problems, and that means a lot of people need to be fired. The Glenn Beck Program. So if you're going to put forth the effort to take good care of your skin and look younger, shouldn't you be using the best products? And when they go on sale, shouldn't you be at the front of the line? Obviously, it's time to save money. Uh, well, that's exactly what you can do now with GenuCell's new Ultra Retinol Cream, the wonder of skincare technology that hydrates your skin at a cellular level and builds on top of its deep moisture with incredible anti-wrinkle effects. And, you know, look, it sounds like a good uh, product. That's fine. But what about the sale? Well... Of course, they are having a sale right now at GenuCell. GenuCell.com slash Beck. You can get up to 50% off brand new uh, ultra retinol cream. It's available now. If you go to GenuCell.com slash Beck 
for up to 50% off the brand new Ultra Retinol Cream. You'll also get GenuCell's immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less free with your order. You can go to GenuCell.com slash Beck, GenuCell.com slash Beck. They've got free express shipping. They've got free returns. They've got great customer service. They've got a 100% money back satisfaction guarantee. So there's no risk here whatsoever. It's a fantastic gift as well. GenuCell.com slash Beck, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. And don't miss out at blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is the Alamo. You'll save 20 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to Michael Malice, the author of the Anarchist Handbook, Dear Reader, the Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong uh, Tu, and The New Right, A Journey to the Fringe of American Politics. Uh, co-author, strangely, of two New York Times bestsellers. I, huh, who knew? He could get on the New York Times. I can't get on the New York Times. I mean, not on the top ten. Yeah, you're number, you're number one in sales, but number 15 on the New York Times list. It's amazing <laughs> how that works. Uh, welcome to Mr. Michael Malice. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've got several things to talk about. First of all, I'd love to hear your opinion on the AP reporter that absolutely knew the Pentagon was lying when they were like, yeah, and Russia might be using chemical weapons. Uh, and now we find out that our National Security Council and our intelligence are spreading misinformation. They're using it and they, and they think it's a noble lie. Uh, you know, we're just trying to stop Russia, trying to beat them to the punch. So they are using disinformation on the American people and on the rest of the world. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh, it may have been a good idea maybe 20 years ago when you wouldn't have social media and other such mechanisms that can demonstrate things that aren't true and have them spread, you know, quite literally at the speed of light. Uh, I think this is just piss poor strategy. I think if you want to whip people into a frenzy against uh, Russia and talk about the things the Russians are doing, anytime you add lies on top of that yep. pile, it's just going to alienate people. And there is a huge percentage of population, both from Democrats and from Republicans, that whoever the sitting president is, they're just going to immediately disbelieve anything they say on its face. So to have like actual receipts that they're being deceptive is really crazy. Bad. And also it just speaks to the why I'm hopeful about the future. You know, the enemy class, which includes corporate journalists, these are not clever, sophisticated people. Uh, they're not good at being manipulative. They've just been at it for a hundred years and they're not in a position to change their strategy. And that bodes well for all of us. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking, uh, I was thought about you this morning when I was reading this article, because I thought this is what the founders wanted us to feel like, not about journalists. And they were counting on journalists holding the line, uh, but they wanted us. I mean, George Washington talked about it. Thomas Jefferson talked about it all the time. The government uh, should never be feared by the people. The government should fear uh, the people rising up and the people's holding them accountable and never trust the government. And we've, and we've trusted it for so long. And I think this is actually a good thing that we don't really trust them anymore. 
Well, I, I don't know who we is here, sir, but you're speaking to an anarchist, so we have never trusted the government. <laughs> but but I, I, I will also point out that you're, that Jefferson, I'm a big Alexander Hamilton fan, but Jefferson was a good example of this because Glenn, as you know, and I know. which people find interesting, when Jefferson was in the cabinet, Washington's cabinet, he's leaking left and right to the press to make Washington look bad. So he, in this case, put his money where his mouth is, and he used uh, the press as a mechanism to keep the government in check. So uh, this has been going on, this kind of uh, backdoor collusion between the media and the federal government since, the, again, the Washington administration. It always, it always. But, you know, the one thing we did have is we had a media that, I mean, when I was watching that uh, video, it was about two months ago, with the AP reporter sitting there and just not giving the Pentagon any room to breathe. He's like, look, so where's the evidence? Because I know how this works. You say something like that, and you usually come out here and you'll show us declassified. But you're not doing that. So you don't have any evidence. No, of course we have evidence. We're just not going to share it with you. Now we find out that they don't. <laughs> but yeah, there, is, I, there was only one guy in the press that did that. The, the, I'll defend them, broadly speaking, in one sense. I don't think any of us are privy to what kind of pressure the Pentagon and, and the state is capable of exerting on uh, media outlets, uh, what kind of phone calls they can make behind closed doors to make sure their story gets out. I think they have a lot more leverage than any of us realize. Uh, not uh, and me. That can I've been there. Well, not you, of course, yeah. but that can manifest in things like reporters being told, okay, we're not talking about this issue. And what is that individual reporter working for a media conglomerate supposed to do? Uh, that media, uh, That media reporter... Uh, has what's called the internet and should go out and expose it. That's what they should do. Anybody at this point that looks at their job and says, I'm going to be quiet when I have information that is really critical to the survival of our country and our Republic. Uh, I don't, I, I, I hold you responsible. You should have said something. I, it drives me nuts when these people leave you know, years of service at the Pentagon or whatever, and then they come out a year later with a tell-all book. Why didn't you say something when you were there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to have me defend them in the sense of saying that they're courageous people. I'm just saying that it makes sense in many cases why they would make those decisions that they did. So the New York Times or the Washington Post came out this week and said, Elon Musk uh, investing in Twitter, bad news for free speech. I mean... That is the upside down world. It, I, I was ecstatic because I think what is Elon Musk, I had this tweet that Elon Musk has done a better job of going on, on offense than practically the entire conservative movement. Yep. What's wonderful about this, and I don't think Elon particularly cares about free speech so much as being a counterpuncher like President Trump was in certain contexts. Mm -hmm. For them, Twitter was their sacred space. This was their temple. This was their place to manage the conversation, to discuss the political issues. And now you have this heretic, you know, crossing the, you know, crossing the Rubicon saying, this is my house now. And this is causing them before he's done one single thing. The only thing he's teased is, do you guys want an edit button? <laughs> so the fact that he's in their house is causing them so much existential distress it's absolutely hilarious because the key is you have to go where the enemy class is and make them feel unsafe, make them feel that their forts are breached because then they don't have that air of smugness and they're going to have that shrieking of fear correctly because they're not in charge anymore. What is different about Elon Musk than 
others. I mean, he is he has is it his his uh, kind of I hate to say this because I hate Thomas Edison, but is it is Thomas Edison kind of I'm just going to go out and do it. Uh, that kind of that kind of American spirit that gives him a little protection from I mean, people you're talking about Elon Musk and you're using Edison. Should you use Tesla? <laughs> yeah. Or Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. I guess well, I Tesla, Tesla kind of died broke. So yeah. I think, yeah. but you know, Tesla's another better example because Elon Musk is an immigrant. Listen, I'm an immigrant yeah. as well. And when you're born in another country, a lot of the things that Americans kind of take for granted and you absorb through osmosis, you're not going to kind of be raised in that context. Um, and I think Elon, and I'm being quite serious here, Elon's on the spectrum. He's He's got Asperger's by his own admission. When you have that kind of hyperlogical mindset, a lot of things that other people might kind of fall prey to, you're not. You're going to have more strength to stand up. So when he sees who is up against him and the smears and the lies, uh, he's in a much better position, especially given his wealth. And it's also his idiosyncratic personality uh, to fight back and realize, okay, these are not people making mistakes. These are people who, if they had their druthers, loved me yesterday and now want to put me out of business today. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, everybody looks at Asperger's as, you know, something horrible your kids would uh, would have. Um, however, it's actually, uh, turning out, you know, if you can control it, it's like ADD, if you can control it, it actually works out to be something really good for the culture that we're in right now. Yeah. There's certain great advantages, uh, yeah. people who are on the spectrum have that others don't. So yeah. the f- I think there's a big movement among people with autism to kind of humanize and be like, Hey, wait, wait, we're not disabled that we just think differently. And, and I think there's a lot to that. Um, so the, the Twitter thing with Elon Musk came out, what, April 5th is when they were first uh, reporting on that's when the Washington Post said it was a danger. The seventh, uh, we get a story about the New York times coming out and saying, you know, you reporters here at the New York times, you don't have to use Twitter, uh, because we run the danger of, uh, you know, an echo chamber. If we're spending too much time, too much time, they just thought of this. Too much time on Twitter. Uh, and there's a lot of really dangerous people on Twitter. Uh, so you don't have to use it. Are those yeah. t- connected? Well, it's, it's, I don't think they're connected per se. I think it speaks to when Taylor Lorenz, who's a, you know, one of the most malevolent New York Times reporters, she was at MSNBC you know, crying about how mean people are to her on Twitter. Notice the two contradictory statements, Glenn. If it's an echo chamber, there's no nasty people. If you're just talking to each other... <laughs> How are you getting all this hate? So it's clearly it's not an echo chamber. Um, Then Twitter has demonstrated to corporate journalists how much hatred and contempt the average person correctly has for them. Uh, I think what happened is, I'm sure, after that crying fit, um, there were phone calls behind the scenes to Twitter asking them to crack down and make people treat journalists nicer. They drew the line. And as a result, the New York Times is somewhat retreating. Uh, I'll take this with a grain of salt. I think we all remember in 2016, after President Trump won, Dean Banquet, who's head of the New York Times, said, oh, we're going to do a better job of trying to accommodate Mm -hmm. more Americans. Our reporting was way off. And instead, they double, triple, quadruple down. But I think this is a big retreat. Uh, this is them. You know, we had four years of like social media misinformation. You know, journalists are being treated poorly when they're the heroes of our society. And, you know, the more they're crapped on instead of doubling down, now they're having to retreat. So this is a victory that people should be very grateful for, even though it's a very small victory. Uh, one last thing. I've, we've got about 90 seconds for this. Um, ESI Energy 
on Tuesday pleaded guilty to three counts of violations um, in their their wind farms. They uh, are a big wind power developer. And apparently they pled guilty to the murder of golden eagles. Uh, apparently the birds were killed by blunt force trauma after being quote struck by the wind turbine blades at its facilities in Wyoming or New Mexico. Uh, and, uh, they're, they're paying $6.2 million in restitution. I, I, I guess to the Eagles families. (laughs) Um, but this is just, to me, this is just another thing that shows environmentalists are never going to be happy with anything anything well i'm a big endangered species person i've got 200 species of succulents in my house and i just looked it up while we're talking the golden eagle is the most widely distributed species of eagle it's not endangered it's not even vulnerable near threatened it's least concern so this seems to me to be completely nuts if this was some kind of bird where there's like 50 of them left then I could understand the idea of, all right, we have to have draconian measures to kind of protect them. But that is not the case with this species at all. So this is just, you know, very bizarre. But this isn't unusual. Wind farms are known uh, for just decimating bird populations. And and by the way, those of you who have cats that live outside, your cat's entire life is dedicated to killing those birds. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thing. They like murder birds all day. It's their their favorite thing. I had a I had a uh, a hawk I think land in my backyard the other day, and uh, we were all watching. We were having dinner, and then we realized the reason why it landed is it was having dinner as well. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a vicious way to die uh, by talon, but I don't have to worry about it. Neither do you. So let's move on with our lives. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Michael Malice, you can uh, follow him uh, on Twitter. But it, remember, it's just an echo chamber. Uh, MichaelMalice.com is his website. Back in just a minute. All right, there is all kinds of news on the economy. In fact, let me give you something that I just saw this, this morning. Rising mortgage rates cause more homeowners to sell at lower asking prices. Uh, also... Uh, the Fed, Fed St. Louis, is saying that they want three, what are called 300 basis points in the next Fed meeting. That means they want to raise the interest rate to three and a half percent. That'll mean that because most of the loans now are starting to be around four or five. Your loan for a mortgage very soon if the Fed in St. Louis gets their way, would be 7 to 10%. That's going to change things an awful lot. If you need to sell your house, you need to sell it now. Get the best real estate agent you can find, and that's realestateagentsitrust.com. The name says it all. They will help negotiate the best price in whatever market you're facing. They will negotiate the best price for you, Uh, And on top of that, um, they'll help you negotiate the best price on the house that you're moving into. They have the experience. They have the tools that you need. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. It's a 
Lots of progress being made in the states on the uh, issue of ESG. Uh, currently, there are now 28 states working on stopping some part of ESG. That is up from 20 states just a few weeks ago. Uh, even more impressive, back then, many of the 20 states on the list weren't considering legislation, only action from the treasurer. Today, all but one of the 28 states on our list are working on at least some kind of anti-ESG legislation. Um, some states are working on full ESG bans, and those are the best bills, in my opinion. Others have treasurers working on limiting ESG, but no bills planned. Um, and they are looking to stop the state from doing business with companies actively using EF ESG me uh, measurements to undermine key industries, agriculture, timber, fossil fuel related industries, yada, yada, yada. Most of the states are doing a little bit of everything. States where legislators are working on full ESG bans this year or in 23, Arizona, Kansas, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Hampshire, the bill in New Hampshire is now in the Senate, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, Wyoming. We also have commitments from lawmakers in Idaho that, you know, maybe someday, maybe in 2030, they actually say next year, we'll see. I know there's a lot of good people in the Republican Party that are working for it, but some of the Republicans have sold out. Um, Florida, Indiana, Missouri, North Dakota has already passed it. Tennessee, Texas already passed. We're hoping for a full ESG ban next year. West Virginia, Kentucky, it recently passed, but the governor, a Democrat, has vetoed that bill. And we're expecting that they're going to try to override that veto where they are trying to divest themselves from these this funds. Is the Glenn Beck Program.